the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. True North AM 1460 FM 101.1. The Answer. Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. or via podcast. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Shining a light on the leaders and luminaries of today and tomorrow. You're listening to True North with your host, Dirk Hobbs. Good morning, Southern Colorado. It is Saturday, December 2nd, 2023. You are listening to True North. You're on AM 1460 and 101.1 FM. We are The Answer. And if you're listening to this particular show, it is 8 o'clock and you are hanging out, looking out your window with a hot cup of coffee or you're walking on a trail somewhere, riding your bike, or you're, you're, you're trying to get a head start on your holiday shopping. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm glad you're with us. So thanks for joining us. Okay, let's let's get past this first segment here, which is the Air Force Falcons. <laughs> uh, the college football season, uh, regular season, has concluded here in Colorado, and we're down to conference championship play. Our Air Force Falcons, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. They had a great season, eight and four. Uh, they came out of the gate screaming, but you know. After the Wyoming game, things just changed, uh, and that was in large part to a, a couple of key injuries out there. Zach Lair, Larrier suffered a knee injury, and then uh, Coach Calhoun and company went to Jensen Jones, and then you know they just kept going down the roster. And you know, to their credit, they put up an amazing fight. They did a great job out there, uh, but they were stunned by Army first. Uh, then they got stung by Hawaii. And uh, it just proves how key those key people are in that experience out there on the gridiron. Uh, but they carried off a great season, folks. Uh, absolutely nothing, nothing to, to, to tip your nose down at the ground to. Eight and four in the Mountain West Conference is a strong, strong season. And we wish all the injured players over there uh, a healthy recovery. Get yourselves uh, back, stitched back together because we need you. And uh, you got a great future ahead of you. But uh, great season, a lot of fun out there at Falcon, Falcon Stadium. Uh, we had a great time uh, as a media sponsor, Colorado Media Group in North. And uh, we just had a, a super time rooting on the Air Force Falcons. They're probably headed to the first responder bowl December 26th against App- Appalachian State. So uh, that's a Sunbelt conference uh, team out there they're they're uh, eight and four as well so should be a good matchup on the 26th just after christmas uh so you can jump in there put them on the screen and root on your falcons uh my 10 and 2 old miss rebels now you're thinking you know why is this guy talking about southeastern conference football because i can it's absolutely because i can and i have the mic for the moment 
We're going to turn it over to somebody who's got a lot more interesting things to say than I do. But nonetheless, I am excited about my Ole Miss Rebs. You know, this is one of those teams in the SEC. They're always kind of overlooked because you got those big brands, LSU, Florida, Alabama, right? And it's it's great. And they're great teams, and they are historically great teams. But Ole Miss is one of those programs. Lane Kiffin has done a fabulous job at wiring these guys together. Dude, they beat LSU in a what can only be described as a, <laughs> a complete shootout of points. Uh, and they came out of there with a big W. Uh, they've beaten some you know, teams that aren't easy to beat. Auburn, which gave Alabama a tremendous run for their money in this last weekend. And so we are probably headed to the Citrus Bowl because CBS Sports just doesn't like us. I don't know what I don't know what the deal is there, but they always rank us one lower than all the other polls. So coaches, AP, and even the playoff power have Ole Miss ranked at eleventh right now, and CBS is stuck at twelve. And and in some cases, it took them it took them an act of Congress to get them up from thirteen. So they've got us behind. Oklahoma in Texas. So it's only going to get a little more difficult for Ole Miss as far as I'm concerned. And I know I'm babbling about this, but it just it just really irks me that CBS slights us like that, and I don't like that. So anyway, watch the Revs. We're probably going to face a 10-2 and Iowa program that has done absolutely fabulous out there. And if somehow we sneak into a, a New Year's Six Bowl, it'll be something of a miracle. But uh, I know the broadcasters and the big powers that be in big media have a lot to say about that because everybody likes to say, touchdown, Alabama. (laughs) Even the broadcasters on CBS are less enthusiastic than ESPN uh, about when Ole Miss has some success. It really irks me. So, And I see a friend in our studio. He's got a KU jacket on. Uh, Just nod. Are Are you a KU grad? Yeah. They've had a pretty good year, too. They don't get a lot of love. And they should, but uh, had a great year. And actually, the state of Kansas football programs, both of them actually had a great year. So aside from that, tonight uh, we got CC Hockey here at Ed Robeson Arena. They're taking on Arizona in a two-game homestand. Uh, Arizona's ranked, and, you know, CC Hockey's off to a pretty good start as well. They're 7-7. and Seven and five uh, going into tonight's game. And then uh, they're off to Grand Forks to play a divisional rival. Number two, North Dakota. This is a really complicated hockey season. And uh, it's a long season, but they're doing great. Uh, We had Coach Mayotte in here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is a great coach for the program at CC. He's he's got a level head. He's got these guys thinking about uh, collegiality and cooperation as a team. And uh, I think he's got a real real shot at something special here at Colorado College. So keep up with them. You can always see them on the CW here for Southern Colorado and then uh, pick them up on on air as well through uh, one of the local news sports channels here in Southern Colorado. But let's get to the main event. And uh, our friends over at the United States Olympic and Paralympic Training Center have set us up today with a super heavyweight boxer for Team USA. I have Josh Edwards in the studio who's headed for Paris, France, uh, not to trip over the, the headline here, but this is pretty exciting news. I want to welcome him. Uh, he's across the board from me. Welcome, sir. Good to be welcome. Uh, I'm glad you're here, and uh, you're going to Paris. Yes, sir. Are you excited? Can't wait. Have it's you my... ever been overseas? 
I've been overseas, but not quite far as Paris. Okay. I've fought in a lot of different countries, but it's always been my dream to be an Olympian. So you doing this is just huge. You get to say that now. Yeah. Officially. Officially. I am an Olympian. You made the right. team. Right. Congratulations. But we'll get to the story here in just a minute with 23-year-old Joshua Edwards is a native from the historic boxing city of Houston, Texas. Edwards may be considered undersized when you put him up against the rest of the super heavyweights around the world, standing at six foot three inches tall and weighing 220 pounds. However, Edwards' defense and speed is what makes him a dominant force in the ring. Edwards fell short of qualifying for the Olympics in 2020. But since he has had an impressive resume, including third place finish in 2023 Czech Republic Grand Prix and the 2022 AMBC Elite Championships, as well as taking gold at the 2021 USA Boxing Elite National Championships. I am hanging out with Joshua Edwards, super super heavyweight boxer for Team USA. Again, welcome, brother. Glad, Glad you're here. All right. Well, let's get to know you a little bit. And uh, how this this whole thing started with you in boxing? Um, it really started with my dad. I was a pretty bad kid when <laughs> I was little. I was told you were ornery. <laughs> yeah, I was just all over the place, full of energy. So um, it started with um, I guess my dad just seeing that I need something to put some energy into, so I wouldn't be so bad at school. I guess <laughs> so. Around six, seven, um, I started. He put me in the gym, and I started working out, and I started to like it. So um, from there, I just excelled. And by the time I was twelve, I was already sparring adults mm-hmm. because it was no one else, and no one else was my size wanted to spar me. So, so Joshua, when you say you were a bad kid, I mean, how mm-hmm. bad can you be at five? When I say bad, <laughs> e- everyone describes it like I was just, just. Just ordinary? Just terrible. Yeah. But I think I was just like full of energy and wanted to play. Like I just, yeah. I'm still like that. I play all day. Like physical? I mean, you wanted to be physical with people? Yeah, or you I, was just a, I was a physical kid for sure. Okay. Yeah. So what did your days look like? You got up and you just tore apart the got house? Up, or? <laughs> yeah, just started immediately. As soon as I woke up, it was just like, I want to play. I had siblings, so. I didn't have siblings, man. It would have been worse on the teachers at school. <laughs> so you come from a big family. Yes. Yeah. How big? Um, immediate. I have um, two sisters, a brother, a couple of brothers, mm-hmm. actually. And um, my outer family, like we're all like super close. Like mm-hmm. we get together for holidays and go on big family trips every other year. So nice. our family's pretty, pretty big. Right. So at six years old. When did you put your first set of uh, boxing gloves on? I actually have pictures of me in pampers with gloves on. Pampers? Like pampers. Like, like an infant? Yes, like Come infant. Come on. Yes, infant. <laughs> I've seen seen the picture of when I have boxing gloves on, but my first fight officially was when I was 12. When you were 12? Yes. Okay. That, a competitive fight. Competitive fight. Right on. So the preparation between age 6 and 12, that was just... It was just informal or was it starting to become formal training it was formal from i'm gonna say seven eight until 12 okay every day in a boxing gym absolutely every day and this is in houston yes okay well we're going to come back and talk to josh edwards who's who's got an amazing journey story from where he was in houston texas all the way now to a guy who's got a seat on an airplane to paris france this coming summer 2024 where the olympic games summer games will take place. 
We're back in a moment with super heavyweight boxer Josh Edwards in just a moment. I got a nightmare phone call that no parent wants to receive. Someone hit me going 60 miles an hour. Dr. Ramos uh, came highly recommended. When I showed him the x-rays, he immediately knew exactly what was wrong. We've had a tremendous experience with Ramos Law. Really, I could not be happier. Having the car accident was an accident. Finding Ramos Law was no accident. Injured in a car accident? Ramos Law can help. RamosLaw.com All right, it's the holiday season, and of course, uh, that means a lot of great things happening around the region. Uh, no exception to that is the Broadmoor World Arena and the Pikes Peak Center. I got Jeff Lipsansky on the phone to tell us what's what. Jeff, how you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on this morning. I appreciate it. Always glad to have you here to kind of give us uh, a little idea of what we can do to entertain ourselves here in Southern Colorado. Yeah, you mentioned the holiday season. One thing that's interesting about entertainment in the holiday season, there's not a lot of new announcements around this time, but we did have one new one come up. It was uh, comedian Gabriel Iglesias. He'll be coming to the Broadmoor World Arena in March. And uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward to having him back for another wonderful show. Um, the other, Some other things at the, at the arena, we have Toby Mack coming up. That's probably one of our first shows of of the, um, the 2000. 24 season, as well as some other great comedians um, coming to the, the Broadmoor World Arena. When's Toby coming? Toby will be February 25th. I believe that's a Sunday. That's going to be a great show. Uh, it sure is, yeah. Especially for this audience. And then what's happening over at the Pikes Peak Center? I know you got a lot going on there. Yeah, we're in, we've been for a few weeks now, full Christmas holiday season mode for sure. Uh, you know, just next week we have, you know, wonderful Christmas play, The Forgotten Carols coming. On the 4th, we have, oh, the U.S. Air Force Academy Band. They have yeah. actually two free concerts on December 11th and 12th. Uh, so if folks are interested in coming to see their, their performance, their holiday performance, they can just stop by the Pikes Peak Center box office and pick up tickets for free. That's, that's outstanding. And I know you had Lindsey Sterling coming in town. We do, yeah. She just wrapped up a few days ago. And uh, so that's that's a massive show uh, that that we were so thrilled to have have Lindsay here, uh, first time back in Colorado in a, in a little bit. So it was wonderful to to have that show here at the Robin World Arena. Now is she sold out. That is, that did sell out. Yes, <laughs> congratulations. No surprise <laughs> there. No surprise there. Well, uh, where where can people go to kind of keep up with what you're doing and get those advanced t- ticket purchases? Yeah, so uh, I think for one, you'll want to sign up for the Backstage Pass newsletter. That's going to get you the first dibs on you know on knowing what's what's coming up, which has been recently announced, and and how to get those tickets before the public can can buy them. Uh, but also, you know, just our current list of shows, holiday and beyond. You can go to BroadmoorWorldArena.com and or PikesPeakCenter.com for for all the details. Jeff Lipsansky from the Broadmoor World Arena and Pikes Peak Center. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the update. Likewise. Thanks for having me. All right. We're back here. Second quarter. True North. Glad you're with us. Thanks for listening. You're listening to uh, Joshua Edwards, who just made the United States Olympic team. He is going to Paris, France uh, as a super heavyweight boxer for Team USA. Really excited to have you here, my friend. Thank you for joining us in the studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors because they help us underwrite this program that gets us 
to get in front of guys like you. So mm-hmm. Ramos Law, uh, really appreciates you. You can find them at RamosLaw.com. So uh, go see those folks. If you got sideways with somebody in a car accident or a physical injury, workers' comp uh, claim, Great people over there, very nice, uh, very kind, very thorough. And the unique value proposition about this particular firm is they're run by a physician. Uh, so he understands physical injuries probably as well, if not better than anyone else. And now he also uh, knows the legal side of that as well and how those injuries can be remedied and uh, compensated for. So uh, hit up the great folks over at Ramos Law. We appreciate them. Again, they put us in front of guys like Joshua Edwards, who is headed to Paris, France. Uh, this this is a journey that started in Houston, Texas, back when he was six years old. He's 23 now, and he's got quite a resume here. Uh, some of your career highlights include uh, you've qualified for the Olympic Games here in 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2023 Pan Am Games, first place. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. 2023 Czech Republic Grand Prix, took third there as well as third at the AMBC Elite Championships. Where was that, by the way? The AMBC, um, that was in Ecuador. That was in Ecuador? Yes. Oh, wow. Cool. How'd you end up down there? Uh, We have fights all over. It's world tournaments pretty much all over the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been to a good amount of countries. Right on. And then uh, you took first at the USA Boxing Elite National Championships Mm -hmm. in 2021, and then in 2020, uh, U.S. Olympic team trials for boxing. You took fifth there mm-hmm. uh, in this, and then you were qualifier 19 for the Eastern elite qualifying. Uh, but here you are today mm-hmm. and you credit a lot of this success that you've had to your dad Definitely. in the relationship you have with him. Yes. Uh, what were some of the, the, the sticky moments with you guys? I mean, the, the moments that stick in your soul, in your mind uh, that made this relationship so strong. I'll say, just my dad's being so confident and it's like he saw, like he literally saw this day and me mm-hmm. qualifying for the Olympics and going to the Olympics. Like I would like, I didn't be, like, I, I couldn't, I don't know how he saw, but he definitely, I, I, I believe that he had actually saw it happen already. And mm-hmm. from there it was just like, just a guiding hand, making sure I stay on track and just being the best me I can be. Is he a grinder kind of coach, or how would you describe his his style um, of motivation? He's just uh he's not a grinder. He's uh it's kind of hard to explain, but he's whatever I need him to be. Basically, whatever he feels I need, that's mm-hmm. what he is. Mm-hmm. Whether that can be um, like he can be a, he can be a grinder when he wants to, but mainly it's just like a. Like from a moral perspective, like like he made his guys the way of making me feel so bad when <laughs> I, I'm like I, I'm not performing to my best, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he just got a way to make me feel terrible on myself. And it's like I do not want to feel like that again. But so. it, but then he rebuilds you. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a powerful relationship between a father um, and a son. And clearly, he has this innate ability to read kind of when you're off your right. game and when yeah. you're on your game and. All that good stuff. So, at you know, what what about boxing attracted you to this? Because at one point, you were about to derail and maybe head over to the basketball court. Yes. Right. But you stuck with boxing. So what um, is it about this sport that I you love? Actually, I actually did sort of derail and started playing basketball in ninth and 10th grade in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, it, I can just see it was just tearing my dad apart. Like Really? Yeah. Like, it was, it was just killing him that. 
I had just given up on the sport of boxing because I had been boxing for so long. By the time I was in 10th grade and I was in 10th grade, I was in high school and it was just like, man, I was just kind of like burnt out with the sport. Mm-hmm. And um, I just like we had like arguments to where he was just broke, breaking down, crying like, man, I know what you're supposed to be. And you just so um, did I mean, he have I just, this? Did he have this sense about your other siblings as well? Yes. Okay. Definitely. He he so something about he has a very very strong relationship with God, I would say. Mm-hmm. And he just like he just like he just has like that vision for overall our, over all his kids lives, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, at one point I did stop and start playing basketball, but I came back to the sport and I fell in, I fell back in love with the sport and actually the love that I found was stronger than before. So Definitely served me well. So that time off was really cathartic for you. I mean, right. it regenerated your love and passion for, for sure. It did. Yeah. And what did you miss most about it? Do you remember? Um, was it the physicality? Was it the? It was the physicality and mm-hmm. the. Um, I don't feel like I was pushing myself as hard like playing basketball. I don't mm-hmm. feel like you can physically push yourself as hard mm-hmm. playing basketball rather than boxing. It was just like I was just missing something. Well, and then there's the team sport versus the individual sport component, right? right? Being having someone to blame versus yeah. it's just all on me. Yeah, yeah. And how do how do you work through those? Because you know, for individual sport athletes, golfers, tennis players, boxers, and a myriad of others, uh, even gymnasts, even though you're on mm. a team, they're they're performing right. individually. Uh, how do you reconcile? You know, when it is kind of on you and, and when you're just outperforming. learning experiences, I'm going to say. And one thing I have learned about boxing, I'm going to say, and just in general with life, like you have to accept the losses was with the, the wins. Because if you can't accept the loss, you can't like grow from it and and progress, I would say. Because early in my career, whenever I would like, I would lose a fight or something, I would just like, just find something to blame. Like, no, I, I just didn't want to accept the fact that I lost. And because when you accept the fact that you lost, then you now it's like, okay, what can I do the next time to not lose? So mm-hmm. just holding yourself accountable. Now, a lot of observers of the sport would say, why would anybody want to do this to themselves? Because it is a, it, I mean, it is a physical mm-hmm. sport and it is a fight. I look at it as like artwork. Like when you oh, able to stand it. in the ring. Go with that. When you're able to stand in the ring and be able to punch somebody <laughs> legally. And, legally and they and keep them from punching you back, that's just like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's just next level. It is next level. Yeah. But tell us, uh, I mean, what else is, is exciting to you about it out there? I mean, when you when you step in the ring finally and, and you see who you're up against, I mean, do you study your opponents pretty well? Definitely. Okay. What does that look like? Um, just, um, I don't get too caught up in the future and who I might fight. Mm-hmm. So I look every, I look at everyone in general because in the, especially in the Olympics, there's only 16 spots total. Got it. So, um, I just, I pretty much studied everyone that I think is going to be there because there's still a few people that haven't qualified yet. So, um, I've studied everyone that I think is going to be there. And then once we get the bracket and we know exactly who we're going to fight, I never look at the second, third, and fourth fight. I always look at, I always take one fight at a time. Mm-hmm. So I look at the very first fight, who I'm fighting, and kind of get a feel for them, looking at film, and then go fight. One, so one so you do time. study film? Yes. Yeah. And what, what does that teach you about that opponent? 
it's just it just I look at look for tendencies and um what he doesn't want to do and whatever he doesn't want to do for sure I'm making him I'm gonna make him do that. So <laughs> we're gonna be back with Joshua Edwards. Uh, if you're if you're leaning into this story, you should be because this is a, a very articulate gentleman, and he's got an, a tremendous journey from Houston, Texas, as a young boxer, an ornery kid, as he calls himself. Uh, at six years old, put the boxing gloves on, and uh, has an amazing relationship with his dad and his siblings, and now he has made his way onto the team at Team USA uh, for the super heavyweight division. Uh, for the United States uh, team here, and um, he's going to Paris. What can we say, man? Congratulations. All right, we're back with Joshua Edwards in just a moment. and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. All right, second half, True North. You're listening to Joshua Edwards, who's Team USA Boxing. He just made the Olympic team. Congratulations, sir. Uh, Glad you're with us. So we're learning about your journey from Houston, Texas, and your dad. What's your dad's name? Henry. Henry. Oh, hey, good name. That's my grandpa's name. Um, All right, so was he ever a boxer? He claims to be, he claims, he, he said he was a boxer. He actually grew up in the boxing gym Muhammad Ali trained in no in California. So he was there. I saw him a lot along with my grandpa. So right. he was definitely around the boxing scene as, as a kid. So now that you've made the Olympic team, obviously that's a huge pinnacle event in your career so far. Um do you ever look back and, and second guess yourself as far as basketball was concerned? Because I know that was a second interest. No. No, you're home. I actually got hurt playing basketball. I broke my wrist. What? I broke my wrist. And um, when I, after I broke my wrist, I was just like, man, if I don't be careful, I'm not going to be able to do anything athletically. Mm-hmm. So I went back to what I knew. I appreciate that. All right. We'll talk about uh, as you started moving away from your dad's homegrown coaching over into a more structured training under uh coach mel as you call him Mm -hmm. this is a pretty special relationship as well yes yeah talk about coach mel and and that experience he was there from the very beginning Mm -hmm. um i I trained in a in a a gym it's a um, pretty historical gym um downtown houston it's called paba the progressive amateur boxing association i'll never forget that it's crazy Mm. but um he was there he was a coach in the gym and um I was going to the gym, and I was pretty much the only one that was consistent, me and another guy named Deontay. And we were only two that were consistent, and we weren't getting fights. Um, Like, we just were training and training and training, and we weren't – they weren't signing up for fights. So, um, eventually, we – like, we left, and um, I started training with Coach Melvin in the park originally. Start training in the park, and we would just bounce around from gym to gym, getting sparring and getting good work with other guys. Mm-hmm. And then we got as he got his own gym, and then it was just grinding a lot of one on one time with him. And that's when um, actually I got um, I was lifting weights when I this was twenty 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 right before the NAS, right before I made number one in the USA. I had a hernia 
and uh, I had to have a hernia surgery a month before the uh, the nationals, and it was. It, it was rushed. It was everything was scary. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I thought it was just like, like man, I'm not gonna make it. I, it's a month off. I'm not going. But um, the first week I couldn't walk. Second week it was, I started tiptoeing around a little bit. The next two weeks I was just in the gym, like so spending the night in the gym. I was in the gym all day. Yeah. And then I won a tournament, and that made me number one in the USA. How did that feel? That was just that taught me that adversity is not always. The enemy. People are always look at adversity like, man, why do I have to go through this right now? Sometimes you need like little bumps around the road. So it's like you can look back and it's like, man, things I've been through. This what's, what's what I have in front of me now is it's a cakewalk. So does that teach you more than some of the victories? Yes. Would you say that? The losses, my losses have taught me more than my victories. I, I can say that for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, that's probably a fairly consistent theme among Olympians mm-hmm. and ultimately professional athletes. I mean, they learn. I mean, the ones that that really can articulate the fact that you know they're not s- standing out there self-aggrandizing. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. You right. know, but the Michael Jordans of the world who've always who've always talked about adversity and mm-hmm. the, the losses training them more so sometimes right. than the wins. Mm-hmm. So, but when you when you hit number one, um, what kept you grounded? Because that that's you're the top of the heap, man. I'm gonna tell you honestly what happened. I got to the um, cause I came to the, in, the in, uh, training center for the first time, mm-hmm. and it was like I, w- I, w- I was big head. I thought I was big headed for a split second, and then <laughs> when I got up there and I realized, okay, everyone else here is number one. Like as far as my team members, mm-hmm. and then it was my first tournament. I went to my first tournament. And it was like, man, these these guys are these good. dudes are good. Mm. And it was like, man, I thought I was, I thought, oh, I'm number one in the USA. I'm the baddest there is. Mm. No, it's like it's just like you're starting all the way back over again. Love it. Yeah. So it was a really humbling experience to have to get in the ring because actually my second international fight, my first tournament, I got in the ring with the bronze medalist from the previous Olympics. So and he was pretty good. I gave him a good fight, but it was just mm-hmm. like, man, I got a lot to learn. So talk about, you know, that balance between confidence mm-hmm. and humility. Can you articulate that a little bit? I think so. Um, confidence is, you can bring, because you definitely need confidence in the sport. That Because if you, Tell me you got to bring, it. you got to bring the confidence in the ring with you because if you don't, it's just like, you're just going to get ate for dinner. It's you're going to get waxed. Yeah. <laughs> you're just going to, yeah, because everyone... Cause and you gotta remember who you are too because people look at certain countries because certain countries that are like just the big big five big ten and mm-hmm. like the the world as far as boxing goes and you just gotta remember like like America basically like America strong like we are like we got the most medals we know like we're like we're good boxers so bringing that confidence in but also being um I'm gonna say. It's almost like a passive aggressive thing. It's mm-hmm. like you, you got to be able to, got be willing to put the work in because it's in this game. It's like it's constantly changing, constantly elevating. People are constantly getting better, so mm-hmm. you can't, you can't go a few months without getting. You got to be getting better every day. They say one percent every day. Yeah. So when you're stepping in that ring and you've got that, that feeling in the back of your mind, I, mm-hmm. I am not dialed in yet. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? 
mentally, emotionally, spiritually, otherwise, physically. Because, you know, when I stepped on the court, there were days I'm like, I'm going to work this guy like a farm animal. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. there are days when I went out there and I'm like, okay, I'm something's Um, something's missing here. (laughs) I pray. Okay. I pray. Um, And we actually have um, psychological coaches that that we brought in um, not too long ago. And they just teach us to stay in the moment and they teach us to, um, basically what I do is I close my eyes and, um, I just focus on three senses of mine, like what I can hear, what I can smell, what I, what I feel, mm-hmm. what can I taste, whatever. And it just helps you to reset yourself and stay in the moment because if you're, you shouldn't be, Nerves is normal, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't be too nervous about the future and you can't be dwelling on the past. So in the staying in the moment before you perform, that's the best best place to be. And when you're out there and you're you're maybe it's a new opponent, maybe it's somebody you've boxed mm-hmm. a number of times um, and you're trading off lows with them. I mean, is there a point in in the boxing match where, you know, OK, I've got this guy exactly where I want him? Or he's got me exactly where he wants me, and I need to get out of that corner. You know, before the end of the first round. Really? Yeah. That's soon. Before the end of the first round, because I'm going to tell you something about boxing. Because in, in amateur boxing, um, it's only three rounds. So it's proven. Like, it's statistics say that I think it's 83 or 85% of people who win the first round win the fight. Okay. So if you lose that first round, you got to really show the judges these next two rounds that you're just like dominating. Mm-hmm. So after that, halfway through that first round, you should be at a at a good place. You don't really have much time to warm up and fill a guy out. You got to really be putting points on the board to mm-hmm. and showing the judges that you're in control of the fight. Right. And what what does your physical routine look like now? I mean, prep prep for individual boxing matches, prep for tournaments, things like that. I mean, diet, exercise, nutrition, sleep, all that stuff goes into it. Same um, as any other sport? Yeah, pretty much. And we have, like, match day warm-ups, so we do certain things to just warm our entire bodies up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we only do that for, like, match days. So um, that's pretty much it. It's pretty much the same, like, Eating, I, I, as far as eating, I, I usually don't like to eat. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I fight in like five six p.m., I might eat breakfast at like seven, but that's it. If I fight like around noon, then I won't eat. Really? Yeah, it's, it, I, I'm different. I'm like one. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you really what it is. <laughs> once I, I went to a sparring match once, and I ate about an hour before I sparred. I ate some noodles. Uh huh. And um, yeah, carb carb blow. Yeah, right? I got hit in the stomach. And I just took a step back, like, whoa, 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 wait. And then, okay, I sound good. Okay. Hitting the stomach again. And then I step back, okay, wait, 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 wait. And then I said, okay, okay, I'm good now. Before I could even start back, threw up everywhere. Oh. So from there, it was just like, yeah, I'd never eat before I fight again. Because that's, I mean, you're you're on the lighter end of the spectrum for yeah. super heavyweights. I mean, yeah. is this... Is this but just w- honestly what I like to do is I like to the camp before the fight get as heavy as I can as far as like strength wise I get up to like two twenty six two twenty seven mm-hmm. and then um, about a week before I start fighting I start cutting down cutting like as small as I can get because I want to keep the strength because you're not gonna lose strength within a week mm-hmm. keep the strength but gain that speed so it's like I'll be a lot faster 
like trimming versus mm-hmm. if I would have stayed at two twenty six. Mm-hmm. So actually, in these this last, I'm not gonna say what weight I was, but uh, <laughs> I was pretty small in this last tournament yeah. when, for my last fight. And what's your reach? I don't know exactly. In the thirties. Yeah, I'm um, saying you're at least in the third. I, I got decent. I got decent reach for sure. Yeah. I know how to use it, but um, I haven't been in a ring with someone who just arms were just significantly just, just longer like than mine. Up with arms, you yeah. Know? <laughs> so I, I got pretty good reach. All right. Well, we're hanging out with Joshua Edwards. Uh, you know, when you're in the gym, brother, what are you jamming out to to pump you up? What Drake, art? What artist do you like? Drake. Drake. That's, yeah, that's All right. Name. We're gonna find something you like and put it in the background here. Hanging out with Joshua Edwards. He is now an official United States Olympian for Team USA Boxing. Back in a moment. God's plan. God's plan. I hope back sometimes I won't. One critical fact that needs to be established is that your injuries were caused by the accident incident you were involved in. For your case to have merit, it must be made clear that had you not been in the crash in the first place, you wouldn't have been hurt. This is one of the most important steps in the entire process, and leaving it to anyone but an expert is a serious mistake. Ramos Law, doctor, lawyer, partner, combining medical and legal knowledge for better outcomes for you. I hope that's All right, we're in the fourth quarter here on True North. Thanks for listening in. It's Saturday morning. It's eight forty-five, and we are hanging out with an Olympian. Gosh, how does that that settle on you, man? It's still Joshua just, Edwards is with me. Honor to say I'm officially an Olympian. That's a big deal, man. Yeah, because you cannot say that. Yeah, you can't. You're, you've now moved beyond Olympic hopeful mm-hmm. to Olympian. Right. Ta-da. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's special. A big deal, man. Sure. I mean, your dad must be going nuts. Everyone, everywhere we go, everywhere he goes in Houston, he's just telling yeah. everyone. My son's an Olympian. Yeah, home, anywhere, Home Depot, <laughs> home a, Depot. anywhere, gas stations. Yeah. God bless him. Yeah. Well, Henry, we love you, brother. So thank you for bringing us to Joshua Edwards, who is now competing for Team USA. He's going to Paris, France. I know you've got most of your, I mean, you've earned a spot on the team. You may or may not compete between now and Paris, but how are you going to keep yourself on track to become, uh, to, to stand on the, that metal post, man? Just um, locking in, um, continuing to do what I've been doing. I don't want to change anything besides, like, oh, of course I want to amp up my workouts for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, keeping a balance between, because the the media and the people reaching out, it's, it can be a huge distraction, so I've got to the point now. I'll just leave my phone somewhere. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. But I, I still I talk to my parents and my well, family every day. Yeah. But other than that, it's just like being in the gym somewhere and living in the gym. Who's coaching day. you now? Um, B- Billy Walsh, the head coach of USA Boxing. Okay, and you're 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 still learning. You're growing. Yeah, strong. definitely still. Because you're you're credited. I mean, obviously, it's not your height and weight. Mm-hmm. That makes you a super heavyweight champion and number right. one at any point on the calendar. It's mm-hmm. your speed right. and agility. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Um, what, I'm gonna go back a little bit. Sure. I was when I when I first fight was 12. I was 126 when I was 12, and I pretty much grew about 10, 15 pounds every year until I was. At 190, 190-ish, and I was fighting a heavyweight. Mm-hmm. So along the way, 
I just, uh, I was always like the smaller, smaller end. Along the way, I just kept my speed, like my coach back home, Coach Melvin. He thought it was like um, imperative that I kept my speed and my jittery along the way and to continue incorporating that into the workout so I wouldn't be another average super heavyweight. Right. I would say. Plus, uh, people people usually don't believe this, but I'm still growing. My family, especially my dad and my grandpa, my brothers, like they grow to that was 26, literally. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You're not I'm done still, yet. Yeah, I'm not done growing yet. <laughs> and you're going to bring that out into the ring in force. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as you're going out into the ring, you got a game plan mm-hmm. because you've studied the opponent. Right. And probably you haven't had a ton of time mm-hmm. to study your opponent because, you, like you said, you don't know who mm-hmm. it could be. And you tend not to look too far ahead. Right. So you're looking at that first first matchup and you got a game plan mm-hmm. when again what's that tipping point in the match when you know you've got them where you want them or you've got to get out of the situation you're in and back in into command most definitely it happens um before the first bell sounds in the first round it, it starts but, before the swinging starts yeah honestly um what i do to prepare myself since i don't since I can't have a a big jump on mm-hmm. and looking forward, I try to be as versatile and train myself to be as versatile as I can. Be able to fight in all all ways, basically. Like however I need to fight, I I, I like I equip myself to fight that way. So whenever, because usually everyone, pretty much no one is able to fight like in several different styles. I'm gonna say like mm-hmm. it's usually there's pretty much no one out there who can do everything. So there's going to be that part that's they're uncomfortable, uncomfortable doing a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like, that's the chink in armor to where, okay, I've never seen you do this. So chances are you don't, you're uncomfortable doing this. So that's what we're doing. You're really that, that astute as you're out yeah, there. For sure. People swinging in at the, you. In the ring. It's like, I'm yeah. thinking, okay, I haven't seen you do this yet. I'm going to make it, you do this. Does the match slow down in your eyes? Definitely it does. Okay. That three minutes kind of zooms by sometimes. Right. Yeah. But the actual engagement, does it slow right. down to where you can concentrate and see those little yes, nuances? For sure. Wow. Yeah, I'm like pretty observant, especially when I'm in the ring, because I don't know, it's just like I'm I'm a student of the game. Yeah. Like I like to but I don't usually like watching unless I'm preparing myself. I don't like like if it's fights coming on this weekend, mm-hmm. I don't usually like watching like the fights. Unless I'm preparing for a fight or something like that. Okay. But just like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a boxing fan. Right. I'm just like You're a, student. a student. I'm a student. No, I appreciate that delineation. So, uh, life after boxing. I mean, you're 23. You've got mm-hmm. a, a, a solid couple of years ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Paris is coming up, and, and that's going to be a huge marquee event for you. But do you have a, a life after boxing kind of plan laid out? Definitely. Um, my dad and my brother, um, they're like, has like businesses and things of that sort. Like my dad had um, a electrical business okay. and um, a construction business as well. As long as my brother, he has this construction business of his own as well. So mm-hmm. just um, finding things to invest in because I don't want to be right in the ring all my life. I pretty, I, I really want to. Um, Retire early. Yeah, it's early pretty, as pretty punishing, yeah. man. Yeah, so yeah. I don't want to do this long. Plus, I like I 
want to raise my dogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Yeah, you're a dog man. Like, yeah. What kind? Sure. I have an American bully, but my dad has two Great Danes. Okay. Yeah, so. so big dog guys. We definitely <laughs> like dogs. Yeah. I feel like that's like, that's like my kid. That's Yeah. Well, there you go. You got a lady in your life? I do not. Okay. I well, that's not. okay. That's probably distracting. Yeah. You don't want that it, right it, now. It's because it's, it's, as much as I travel, it's kind of <laughs> hard to. To keep things, you know, you know how that goes. I, I know how it goes. Yeah. So does mom watch? Mom, she does. If I, Sometimes I can make her watch, but <laughs> usually it's like I don't want to be there watching because it's just like too stressful for her. I sure. Guess. I mean, watching your baby get knocked down. Yeah. That's no good. <laughs> I don't get knocked down, but <laughs> even still, it's just too stressful. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, is he going to? Yeah. 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 So when you're out there, I mean, when you get hit and you've been clocked, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the recovery like? I am an actor at at its finest. I can <laughs> act like uh, you. You got nothing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. I've been, I've been, I've been caught pretty, pretty decently, and sometimes you need to be able to act like oh, okay. that was that was you brushed it because off. Really, if someone can read, oh, that hurt you. Mm-hmm. It's like man, it's gonna be lights out soon. But you, you like a bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> you can smell that too, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it goes both ways. Yeah. And when you got them there, you go after them pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to end the match? Right. Sometimes, but I don't, um, the kind of boxer I am, I'm not, I'm not a knockout happy boxer. I'd rather yeah. punish you and make, and make it clear, <laughs> make it clear to all the judges I've been punishing you this whole time. Right. Because sometimes when you try to say you have someone hurt, and you try to go in for the kill, that's like the most vulnerable point as far as you are because that's when you're the you're, you're most careless and you make a mistake. One small, because especially in heavyweight boxing, one punch changes everything. So just trying to uh, force a knockout is like, that's like where you were the most careless and you can get knocked out yourself. Well, they don't call it the sweet science for nothing. Yeah. Uh, and you've clearly embraced that because, like For you sure. said, you are a student of the, of the game, right. of the sport, and you respect those moments of vulnerability, mm-hmm. even even when you're in a commanding position. Yes, right. That's that's a vulnerable spot. So you got to right. you got to keep your p's and q's lined up. Yeah. So, but you know when you've closed a match. Yeah, yeah. I definitely know. <laughs> and 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 you like that. A lot more than not. <laughs> yeah, that feel, yeah, that's 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 a great feeling when it's like, man, you, I I've won this fight already, and right now on. you got to figure out what you're gonna do. I was, and then the flip side of that is that's when others get careless. So that's yeah. when it, it really gets easier when you and you dial won in. the first and second round, and it's like, okay, now they have to come with everything they have the third round. Mm-hmm. Usually, that's when they're the most careless. They just making mistakes because they're desperate. Yeah. So yeah, that's when it gets easy. Well, what's your experience like here at the training center in Colorado Springs and USA Boxing? Good experience? Yeah, I, I love yep. being around other athletes that's inspiring to do the same thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like that's a once I move, like no, I didn't, I didn't move officially, but we spend most of the year up here at the training center, and it's just like it's motivating to be around other athletes that have the same dream that I have. Very good. Any shout outs out there? My dad, um, my family, I don't want to start naming because I don't want to forget anybody. Coach. But coach. Yep. Coaches. Um, my sister. 
Right on. Sisters. See, uh, yeah. See, I'm going to leave that alone because yeah. it's too many. <laughs> yeah, it's too many. You didn't mention me. It, yeah. yeah. He's mentioning everybody. I'm looking uh-huh. at him right now, and he's like, okay, I got a lot of people to thank yeah. for being here. And I appreciate your humility, uh, but also your confidence. You got a great balance of that, my friend. Mm-hmm. Joshua Edwards, he is a United States Olympic boxer for the super heavyweight division. He's headed to Paris, France. Congratulations on your accomplishment, number one. Thank you. Yeah, Thank and uh, best wishes to you. Keep keep your bubble level, as they say. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yep. Keep your bubble level. Any words of wisdom before we say goodbye? Um, I'll say find some fun. Whatever you're going to do in this world, find some fun in it, and you never have to work another day in your life. boy. Well, Thank you for being here, my friend. Appreciate you. Appreciate the insights. You got a great family. Mm. And this is going to be fun to watch you and Team USA compete over in Paris this year. You guys got a pretty good shot at taking some medals? Definitely. Atta we have boy. a pretty, pretty good team. I feel like we have the best team in the world. That a boy. All right. Well, you've been listening to True North and you've been listening to Josh Edwards, who's headed to Paris, France. A very exciting story. Watch this guy as the Olympic Games come online next summer here in 2024 coming up. And uh, he's, he's going to do us proud no matter what he does out there. So we appreciate you. Appreciate Team USA and good luck to all of them out there. Folks, have a great weekend and uh, enjoy the holiday season. It is here in force. Shop local and we'll see you next week. You've been tuned in to True North. Till next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.